Hello and welcome to the Hope and Anchor Community Church Podcast. Each week, we'll bring you the latest preaching from our Sunday services. We hope that as you listen, you encounter God and you're encouraged to go deeper in your relationship with Him. Enjoy the message. God called us <laughs> to be in this city, in this place, in this moment. And we're going to make the most out of it. The kingdom has to be expressed. Are you ready? We're coming under the title, Not Common. And we're coming out of the bat under the book of Ruth, Ruth chapter 2, and we're going to only read like the same amount of verses of the Bible that you read this week. It's going to be two verses. <laughs> so <laughs> that's, that's a joke. But, but if, if it's an amen, you should be, you know, should be grabbing on that and say amen right there. That's the first amen. That's the cue. Okay, Ruth chapter 2 verse 1 says, Now Naomi had a relative on her husband's side. A man of standing from the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. And all the women said, Amen. And Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, Let me go to the fields and pick up the leftover grains behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Naomi said to her, Go ahead, my daughter. Father, will you bring it to fruit? Father, listening to things without fruit is pointless. You're eternal, but we're not in that sense. We just don't have time to fool around. We need you, and we need you now. In Jesus' name, make your word flesh into our bones, muscles, substance into our spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen? So not coming. And out of the bat, we, we get a little bit of context. This is, this is a mother-in-law and a daughter-in-law that I have been traveling around for a little bit. I mean, their journey didn't start right there where we catch it. The context of this is Naomi, the mother-in-law, left Bethlehem, and now she's back in Bethlehem. But 10 years ago, she left it because there was a famine. There was not enough for everyone, so she left it. And what happened? She had kids as well. So she didn't only have a husband, she had kids. And when they went, they went into a land that was not God-fearing. It was not really sharing the same principles and values. They, they went to Moab because they had plenty in Moab. And sometimes you go from where you are missing something to where there's plenty without thinking, you might start feeling the push. But we're going to get into it in a minute. So Naomi goes out. She's, she's a woman with covenant, and she goes out to the land, and her kids actually get wives. And Ruth is one of the wives. What happens? Life happens. And life happens to everyone. And life means good and bad. And bad things also happen. Not only good things, bad things also happen to good people. And that's what we don't want to talk about nowadays. No, but if I'm doing everything right, what is it? What is it that am I doing wrong? What is it that I am doing that God is not blessing? Is God angry with me? Is God just kind of like saying through this that he doesn't like me? And we take religion on board instead of listening to the voice of God. But this is not the case. I'm just talking about someone else. It's not you either. Don't worry about it. So Naomi mother-in-law loses husband but also 
in the span of 10 years, she loses both kids. And she gets stuck with both wives. Because back in the day, it was a bit better. Like we had a bit of a conscience. You know, like if you're not winning, you still stay. You know, it's not like the friendships nowadays that if someone didn't like you and you were trying, you were trying, they just go. Back in the day, they would stay. And it's, and it's a beautiful thing because it's a, a great principle of the heart. But that's not the story only. So we have two widows then. It's not only one widow. We started with a famine, goes out to a plentiful land, but loses husband and two kids, but, oh, wins two like daughters-in-law, and both of them are alone in this story because the Lord took everything he provided. Ouch. See, that's a part of the story that no one looks at. Everyone talks about what we're getting and what God is going to do and where is my Boaz. And depends on the story and where in your, how much you're personalizing it, you know what I mean? But the reality is that God gives and takes away. <laughs> what a beautiful thing! Because we think we're in control. And when God talks, touches our life, He wants us to understand that He's in control. He's in control of our story. He doesn't only provide green pastures for us to go to Moab and have plenty, but he also will trial our faith and our vocation and our faithfulness in the moments in life that we think we're losing because he's after our love. He gave the blessing. He's not after the blessing. He was like, God took the blessing. No, he's not after the blessing. He gave it to you. It's like a dad on the 26th of December, taking back the gift, I won that Lego. No. You bought it for. But if the kid is fracturing everyone's toes, walking over the Legos, you take it away. <laughs> I'm joking. What do you do when the blessing is being taken from you? How is your heart? What does it show? What does it provide for the people that surround you? Are you still capable to keep on walking on the promise and your faithfulness is untarnished while it's looking like you're not having enough? Truth be told, we already have something to say to God and say, God, maybe, just maybe, this person next to me needs this. I think we all need this because we have been so groomed to walk on the blessing, but we have no understanding in how to walk on when God takes it from us. We want a light gospel. We want the blessing, but we don't want to let, let that land rest. Everyone that knows the land, everyone that knows how to plant in the land and, and, and sow seed, they know that they cannot be planting and reaping year around. They have to leave it to rest. And it's the same with life. It is the same with our walk with Christ. There are moments that we are not going to have the fruits of the table. We're going to have the tears in the table. And that's something that, that we don't want to talk about. But that makes us volatile. Oh, my God. Emotional. But it also makes us weak. 
because we have no foundations on the day of either day. The day that we get the blessing back, we won't have the emotional stamina to support it with righteousness. We will think we got it. And then when he takes it, we don't have the emotional stamina to say, dollar is so good. When he takes it, it's time to rest. Oh, my God. When you read this into the story, you think, wow, God, you're so wise. And you may be thinking in your chair, what the heck that has to do with these two women? Give me two seconds. We'll draw it in. Because the reality of it is that these are two women that were planted. And they were blessed. But they're in a season of a famine. They went back because what goes around comes around. They went to Moab because Bethlehem was in a moment of a famine. But now Moab is in a famine. So they, instead of learning the lesson on their own land, God blessed them on a strange land. And now they're coming back home, baby. And that's how, how it goes. Sometimes what we don't allow God to teach us in one season, he will teach you later, don't worry. Because he's up to the plan. He's up to the steps that he planned for us before the foundations of the world. And we cannot fool God's plan. We cannot fool his times either. God will be patient, but he has a purpose. God will be patient, but he has a plan. And there's nothing like someone that stands between God and his plan to be smacked. We have two women and two widows. One from Bethlehem, one from Moabite. The Moabites were idolatrous, rebellious people. People that were done to pagan rituals. They were perverse as a nation. So Ruth was a perverse woman from a perverse nation. And I know that none of us count ourselves as one of those. But, I mean, let me look at your Instagram feed. And I'll tell you how perverse you are. <laughs> or maybe the reality is, where do you feel comfortable? Because that's more Christianese. I feel comfortable in this atmosphere. I feel comfortable in this conversation. I feel comfortable. So we have two widows. Both of them were in pain. Both of them were, were latched out, were, had received pains that are not comprehensible for most of us in this place. And I, I really would say I don't want to comprehend right now. Because the reality of it is that what do you do when God takes a blessing that is so pivotal for your life, like a husband, like a wife? But there's a man. And um, the reality of it is that there's, a, there's a, a third in the story. So it's not the only single ladies that have been in pain. There's a man. And this man actually comes from the same tribe, from the same clan of the husband of the mother. So they had fallen in favor in that place. There's nothing like knowing the person that runs the show. There's nothing like going into a land and, and being amongst the people that are accepted. See... Naomi had come from a, pla a place that had plenty, but she was not accepted. She was a foreigner. Ruth came from the place that she was from, but then she lost everything into a place that she's not accepted. She's a second-class citizen for the sake of us understanding what they are. She's on a visa. She's there, and she's not wanted. She's there. 
she's there and, and no one wants her in that place because they think that she's living from what is devout to them, from what is actually supposed to be for them. So she is there as a stranger, as an alien on the land, and she's not accepted. But she has a proximity. She has a faithfulness. She has a relationship with this other woman that is in pain, the same pain. Sometimes God allows us to go through pain, but he will always bring people around that have experienced the same pain for us to be able to walk holy and together with the rest of the body of Christ. You are never allowed to go through any pain in life if you're not going to go through the provision of God. The provision of God is so good that he will meet you where you are. It doesn't matter what you're in pain of. He will always provide for your pain and someone to walk with you if you are humble. If you are humble. Because God, where are you? Father, I am in this need. Father, I have gone through this and that and the other. And we explain to God what he already knew before you knew it. And sometimes we think the gospel doesn't touch any of those areas. These women were experimenting firsthand how it's to be taken, how it's to be provided, how it's to be from a foreign land, how it's to be a local. And in all those seasons, God is for them. And that's not common. In the world that we're living today, if you're not from here, oh my God, my God bless you because I'm not. I'm going to survive. In the world that we're walking towards today, everything is every man by their own. In the world that we're living today, if you have nothing to provide for me, I unfriend you. I ghost you. Are you tracking? The reality of life is that in the world of today, if we don't provide, we lose. In the world of yesterday, there were still morals and values that were based on a higher God. And that's the God that we serve. God is the God of the lonely, of destituted ones, of those that are sick, the ones that don't have. But what do we do when everything around us, even our emotions, even our own feelings, betray us in this? We have two ladies that we're walking around. And this man, his name was Boaz. And I'm not going to go like, well, Boaz means and all that kind of stuff because that's gibberish for a Sunday. That's probably good for a Wednesday night when you are feeling a bit, oh my God, what do I do with my week? Study Boaz. But for today, this was a man that was a shadow of Christ. These ladies have come from not having what they were supposed to have. The freedom, the substance, the security. And there is a man that notices and that's exactly how God sees us and how the gospel is explained to us. That when we didn't have, when we were destituted of wholeness and in our country right here, right now, in our streets, in our communities, we have so much destitution. So many people like that are mentally ill. So many people that are, are needing financially, emotionally. So many people that are just going by day to day surviving that the system makes them lie and they have no wherewithal to be able to stand in truth and see the hand of God coming through so they're surviving on lies because they don't know better and we are saying but they're lying and we're saying do they know better 
And that's where we come into the meeting. This is where we come into it. Because God represents himself. We are the Boaz of our communities. We're the Boaz of our friendships. Or maybe our families. We're that man that comes by to be generous with the one that is poor and destituted. We're the ones that have a hope that cannot be shaken. You're the one that showers after a bad day and says, God is good. While everyone else showered and said, I don't know what to eat. You were not even thinking about what you were going to eat. Because you were trusting. Because you had someone to call you. Because you were, you were, you were, you are. What do we do when the church is not the church anymore? When we're not the Boaz of our communities. When we're not the Boaz. We're, we're not those that are of standing in our friendships. Well, we're not the ones that actually provide. I know. It's difficult. But this is something that we got to talk about. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing. If we go into other versions, it says, a wealthy and influential man. A worthy man. A man of prominence and noble character. What do we do when the church is not standing? What do we do when the church is not influential? What do we do when the church is not distributing, redistributing wealth and not only financial, but emotional, spiritual? What do we do when we're not that prominent body of people that are noble character? What do we do? Because this is not common. In the eyes of God, this is what he sees us like. But in the world that we're living, in the society that is needing around us, not only us, people around us, we need that uncommon to come back. We need that uncommon to be the rule. We don't want it to be just the uncommon bit. Ah, just, ah, those are the believers. Those are the Christians. Those are the people from the yellow tent. Yeah, you know, they just give it away. They just dress you when you're a model in despair. They dress you with morals and values and principles. They dress you emotionally, spiritually, as they are in the London Fashion Week. Or we dress you out when you're in the sidewalk and you're needy for something to actually give you vision and direction through a conversation. We are those. We are those that are walking through. We are those that are walking that we're standing. We are the wealthy and the prominent. We are those that are influential. We have called. We have been called. But it's uncommon. What does God do when his church is not doing what they should be doing? Because we are asking from God. But what does God do to who God asks something? <laughs> because we're like, ah, God, have you seen? And God's saying, have you looked? There's a lot around you. There's so many times that I, I didn't want to share the gospel with someone in the supermarket, on the sidewalk. I know pastors should never say that. But yeah, there's days that I don't want to have it. There's some days that your brokenness equals my brokenness, so it means zero. So we equal. You know, you're broken, I'm broken, let's be broken, yo. But then the Holy Spirit comes in and says, yo, talk to them. I have given you wealth and prominence and influence in this area. I cannot walk. In this area, without someone saying, what? Yeah. 
I, can, I cannot do anything in this area. Like, if I wanted to throw trash, there was a lady that said, you're the guy from the videos. Don't throw that trash. And I said, I'm sorry, sir. <laughs> I put it in the trash. I pushed it into the bin that was really full, really, to be very honest, you know. So I just put it next to the, oh, don't throw that trash. Okay, you know, I'll push it in, you know. Like, <laughs> it was full. But this is supposed to be our inheritance. People know who you are and what you're supposed to be representing the standards. You are upstanding. You are standing in your lineage, in the clan. And this is the man that we're talking about. And this is the man that Jesus is for all of us. That's why I say he's a shadow of Christ for each one of us. Because when we didn't have and everything had gone wrong, Christ came into our life, into our story, and he provided. He was the, the, he was the owner of the field that she asked to go and glean, or for those that are not farmers, to grab the leftovers from the floor. I know that we have a lot of farms in London, so that's why I just kind of, kind of clarify that, that concept for us as family. And the reality of it is that we... We are in a world that is gleaning, but it's gleaning towards the wrong things. There's leftovers of the brokenness of yesterday night still on our streets today. Today is Sunday. And there are leftovers of yesterday's gleaning of so many souls, and we pay no attention. We walk as is usual, but as a church we have occasion. We walk as is normal, but it is not. We have become uncommon. And we are an uncommon church in a world that is needing this to be something different. So this is a moment, today is a message for us to understand that God has called us for a different thing. We are uncommon, but we have taken it way outside of the context. Yes, we're not supposed to be the common thread, but we're supposed to be coming in front of heaven and the people. If people see us, they think heaven. They don't think your name, it is not your gift. Because sometimes we say, what is my calling, Lord? And we have worship on the altar of stupidity, thinking my gift is better than the giver. So we think if I don't do my gift, oh my God, heaven is going to be suffering. No, mate, it is your privilege to suffer through what he gave you. Be sober of mind. Christ in you, the hope of glory, not your gift. Christ in you, the hope of glory. So let's be sober and let's walk our streets differently with generosity. And I got seven points and I'll get out of your way. Is that okay? We are a church that is uncommon. And uncommon churches, uncommon people, uncommon believers submit. In the life of Ruth, this was actually through submission. In the context of this, she submitted to her God, the God of her, her stepmom. Step, uh, no, stepmom. Wow, that was really wrong. Um, <laughs> mother-in-law there you go thank you she submitted to the God of her mother-in-law and she actually explained it she said look you know what I could go and it's permitted up to me to go but I'm gonna submit to your authority because your authority over my life doesn't mean or doesn't end when I'm losing or when I'm winning that's when we lose most of us if I'm winning I'm under your authority if I'm losing, I don't want to be under your authority. Christ, I'm winning. Yay, you're so awesome. Christianity really works. I prayed about it 15 seconds, and God was so good. But when you pray for 15 days, 15 years about something, it doesn't happen. Lord, I'm lost. 
You must be not real. I'm agnostic. Whatever. This lady actually represented the principle of submission. And as a church, as believers, what we are, we are submitted. We are submitted to Christ. We are submitted to his authority. We are submitted to his mission. We are under mission. Submission under his mission. We are a church that is not common. We're not going to become common with the times. Second, they represented the value of faithfulness. So it's not only submission, but faithfulness. I could, I could do this. Ruth could abandon Naomi and not go back to Bethlehem, not live all the principles and the values, and not live for the king of kings and the Lord of lords. She didn't have to believe in God. She could. She was exempt. The treaty right there had been broken because her husband had died. The son of Naomi had died. So she could have gone back to her perversion and her idols and her land. But she said, no. I'm not only going to submit to your authority, I'm going to be faithful to your influence. And sometimes I don't know if our neighbors can say if we are faithful to his influence. Can you say for sure if your neighbors see you day in and day out that you are faithful to God's influence? Is our community able to say, you know what, we're under the influence of that congregation and that's a good influence? Can we really actually for sure say this? Because that's the goal. It's not enough with our little, little standards and our little kind of like missionary endeavors in our streets. Is that what we are giving out to the streets? Because that's the gospel. And I know someone will say, but that's so hard, Chris. Don't be harsh. Thursday was a really bad day. I know. I know. It was bad. But that's our standard. We are submitted and we're faithful. I could, so I do it. When I can do that, but you know, I know, I know, you know, the Bible doesn't say anything about that, but you know, is it convenient? Does it get me closer to the purposes of God? Okay, food for wandering. The second thing under faithfulness is actually I'm released to. Naomi released Ruth to actually go. She released her from the covenant of staying with her. But she say, although I could and I'm released, I'm sticking to it. I'm faithful. Some people never go under these two things. Never, never fly over those two things in their life with God, in their relationships, in never any other way. They say, if, I'm, if I could, I'm going to do it. And for those that are a little bit more standing and have a little bit more maturity, I'm released to, I can do it. But then you have those that are Christful and they're faithful. And they say, I will do it under your permission. When was the last time that you asked God, do you allow me? When was the last time that you honestly said to the Holy Spirit, am I allowed? And in this country, I have learned to hate that. I'm allowed to do this. That, that's the word, the, the, the phrase itself in England is horrible. I'm allowed to do this. We're not allowed. I'm like allowed like i come from a slave country you know what i mean like allowed like break my chains you know what i mean like hello you know like that comes out like that comes out from the back in my in my in my mind you know i'm allowed who's the last time someone allowed me to do something you know like chris comes out and then christ tries to walk in and say chris take a minute that's the fight that we have it's our flesh 
is our set, our mindset. If I could, if I'm released, if I'm allowed. But there's something better. I'm permitted. Under, under authority, true faithfulness is permitted. So we're called to be submitted and we're called to be permitted. God permits. God permits. So we go in faithfulness. And then the, th the third one is actually resilience. Are you learning anything from this? Are you getting anything? Is that, is that good? Amen. I mean, I know it's not the easiest chunk to swallow, but it's okay. We'll make it. You'll make it. Resilience. I want to talk about Ruth specifically in this because Ruth actually learned the law of the land. There was a law in the land that actually allowed the people to reap from the land, but they could not pick what would fall in the land, in the, in the ways, in the sides of the way. So they would reap, and they would reap bountiful, but the law of the land was not to be stingy, was not to go wandering around and grabbing everything that would fall from the carriage. They said, just leave it for the one that comes. So she learned the law of the land. She said, your God will be my God, and your land will be my land. And she meant it. She was intellectual about her submission and her faithfulness. Oh, intellectual. Oh, my God. God forbid we have to study about this. Because the reality of it is that we want easy, an easy breeze through the land that God has called us in. We are supposed to study. True faithfulness and true submission studies the land. You got to know how to bless the land. In the city that we're living, there's so much misery because people come to a wealthy city to grab, but they're in a spirit of misery and slavery, spiritually, emotionally, and financially. So they take from our city, but they don't give. As a church, we have to disciple the nation. We have to disciple our city differently. But if we don't live it, if we're not conscious and intelligent about it, we are not able to give an example. Are we clear? Are you tracking with me? So God has called us to be submitted, faithful, and have resilience. A resilience that learns the principles of the land. We stay here, but we don't use it only. We are resilient. True resilience has to do with this. Loving the land and knowing the land. And the second part, part B, is to take actions. It's just to take action. If you know the land, take action. If you know that in this land, saying good morning in the tube is kind of weird, you nod at them twice. Because if you say good morning, good morning, you will freak them out. They will think something, in London at least. But when you are in the place, you got to learn the language of the place. you got to love the place how he receives love. So not saying, well, back in my country, it's only like that. Yeah, consider that as great. But here in London, not twice. You know, that's called love. That's called being broken and submitted and being faithful and resilient. That called, that's called the gospel. That's called Christ in your street, in your tube. That's God, that's God among us. That's being the church. Are we ready for fourth, fourth point? We're starting closing. We only have 17. <laughs> I'm joking, for seven only. So we have favor. And I love when he says this. I, I love when he says, like, it, it's 
it's super clear. I mean, it says the word favor, literally. But it says, and Ruth, the Moabite, said to Naomi, let me go to the fields and pick up the leftovers, the grain behind anyone in whose eyes I find favor. Let me just make a moment there. In another version, the King James Version said, in him in whose sight I shall find grace. And the new King James, I'll, I'll find favor. She was walking in resilience and submission and in faithfulness, but in favor. And that's the church that we are called. We're uncommon because we are expectant. We're expectant of actually God doing something great on that day. I don't know what others, others are going to have, you know, but I know God likes me. So I don't care how this day goes, at the end of it, I would have seen him. At least I would have learned from my mistakes because his wisdom is going to completely abound over. It doesn't matter what it takes. I win because I have the favor. Because when I'm submitted, when I am faithful and when I'm resilient, I walk on the favor of God. And you only walk on the favor of God when you're expectant. She was expected. I shall find favor on the side of someone. The world doesn't need a church that is dead. The world needs a church that is full of favor, that is expected of God doing something miraculous. It's not for us to know we are suffice for generations. We have taught churches across the board, around the world, that you got to know the Bible. But what about living it? What about living one verse? It's stronger than knowing all of it and being agnostic and not being sure. And being unfaithful and unresilient and unsubmissive. And criticize your own land. God is asking for a church to become uncommon in the ground. God is asking us to walk differently. Not under the same route, not under the same flow of the river that is flowing on our streets. God is wanting us to direct people in a different flow. A church that is... Uncommon. A church that is uncommon has the fifth point. Knows what to reject. And one of the biggest issues that we have as generation, as Christians, is our victim mentality. Oh, you see, bro, if we say people are not going to like it. Yeah, but you already rejected yourself. So I guess you became your own prophet. You have faith in them not liking you, so whatever. You just kind of produced it. Ah, such a difficult thing. How many times a day you catch yourself, maybe from now, I pray in Jesus' name, amen, that you start looking at things or moments that you're doing your day, doing your daily, you are thinking as a victim, I can't because of and you're giving the authority and the power to something external that God has ordained over your own life. And God is saying, I can give you. But you didn't ask. I can give you. But you didn't go to the source. You look among your resources. I cannot. Well, you know what? My accent is a bit, you know, uh, and so on. Did you ask me? That's what the Lord is asking for. A church that is able to reject what doesn't go with his plan, with his character. Six, 
a church that retains. A lot of us want a blessing, but we don't know how to retain a blessing. We're not instructed on how to retain a good standard. We know how to wake up twice early in the week, but the last three days of the week, you were late to work again. And you pray, God, make me responsible. But you forgot to put your alarm clock. Or you put the snooze. We got to learn. And that's very simplistic, I know. We got to learn how to retain. For generations, we have not been taught as believers how to retain the blessing of God over our life. Not a church around the world can say they have been teaching about this. Not at least a church that is relevant and is out there. It's actually producing disciples of all nations. That have taken that vocation very strongly and very serious. How do we retain the blessing? Because if God has to take it, he will plan it out of your life. Don't worry about it. But most of the times, he gives us something that he wants us to retain. Maybe a vocation of, like, I will go such and such day of the week to go and share the gospel. Or you know what? I'm going to make a point of actually kind of having lunch for an hour, 45 minutes. It's going to be to eat, 15 to pray. Because I don't have time in the morning to pray vocation, discipline. I want to retain my spiritual life with God. I don't want to be just kind of like power punched on a Sunday. Am I retaining the blessing? You know what? I'm going to share the gospel once or twice a week with someone. I'm not Billy Graham, but I'm just going to make my most. By the way, comparing is just really bad. But So that's another one to take out. Because if you were friendly to someone in the bus and you said, you know what? Just friendly because it's just common sense and I'm, I'm a believer. Just, I believe God will do the same thing. God bless you. You don't have to quote Ephesians. You know, like Psalm 28 says, you know, you, like, that's for the second conversation. If you win the second conversation with a normal conversation, you go into Philippians 84 if you want, you know what I mean? It doesn't have 84. <laughs> but the reality of it is that you got to work your window. The reality. And the last point, God bless us, is the goodness of God has to manifest. So we have submission, faithfulness, resilience, favor for those things that actually are, are what we do. But then that type of church will reject, retain, and expect from God. Favor, let's be clear. Is uncommon nowadays. The people that have it know it, and those that don't envy it. The world is getting divided, the waters are getting divided. Favor is not common, it's preferential. Everyone else was last, but they call you forward. Everyone else was waiting, but they said, I like you. Preferential. It makes you be distinctive. When you walk into a room, people know that there's something about you and they treat you differently, but also they demand from you differently. In a moment, in a crisis, they look at you and they don't know why they're looking at you, but you have the stealth, the peace, the wherewithal in you and everyone around you knows it, 
and is evident to them, but they don't know how to call it. The favor of God is upon us in this uncommon world and uncommon season to be an uncommon church. We're not the dead beat closed in the grounds. We're on the streets. We're making it worse. Christ is free. He's not in a tomb. He came out for us to experience that life and that freedom and for others to be able to experience him through us. Freedom, favor, freedom, favor. We are free, we are favored to be uncommon. As the worship team comes by, this church is uncommon. Your life has been called and you have been deposited by God, something that is not common around. God has deposited and this church has been deposited exceptionalism. You're exceptional. You're, you're the exception. Everyone else can do that, but you're the exception. Everyone else could have that doubt, but you are the exception. Everyone else could be suffering from dementia and depression, but you know what? God has called you out of that because he has called you to be exceptional. Second, he has called you to be fulfilled. But no, it's like all that I want, Lord. He has called us to be a church that is looking at everything we want as waste if we don't have what he wants. And that is the only thing that fulfills us. So exceptional and fulfilled. We have been called to be a church that is generous with time, with finances, with spaces to talk, generous with word, generous with everything we can. We have called to be generous. And also to be healthy and loving. Today I think God is throwing at us a challenge that is not common. Are you going to settle to be just the common, the common piece of the pie on your Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday? The common friend, the common family member? Are you just going to worship when you come together with others like everyone? Are you going to look around to what is acceptable? Or are you going to express what is real to you? God is not wanting us to live a relationship with him that is looking around to think how many others validate. God is calling us to our streets and our community and to our worship circles and to our family circles to actually be uncommon. Jesus was not common. Moses was not coming. David, for the love of God, literally was not coming. All of these people that everyone knows about, that we cherish, that we talk about, that was really good, Jereen. Very on time. Every, these, every one of these people that we see that have made stories valid to be read, read were people that were not coming. Well, there was a whole army sitting on the sides because there was a giant screaming at them. David was uncommon. While all the disciples were afraid in the middle of the storm in the boat trying to be safe, Peter said, if it's you, call me to walk. And in the world that we live in today, we have to be like Ruth. And I pray for the spirit that was on Ruth. 
that is holy, that is pure, that comes from God. That impetus, that tenacity, that submission, that faithfulness, that ability to expect but also reject what was not from the plan. That ability to be unfavored but understand the laws of the land, to be resilient. I pray. And this is what God wants us for us today. That it will fill us, it will fill every, every void on our calling, in our life, in our minds, in our weeks. That we're able to see it through different lens. That we're able to perceive the uncommon moments for an uncommon God to come through an uncommon moment like uncommon people we are. God is with you. God is with you. Father, we pray. That if, Father, this is true, that you have made us to be able to submit to your, to your mission and to your authority. If you have made us to be faithful and to live a life that is full of faithfulness, Lord. Father, if you have made us resilient, if you have made us expectant through your goodness, Lord, and Father, we have learned how to reject and how to retain. Father, that we would identify the moments, Lord, that we will trigger that favor. That uncommon favor, Lord, that is upon each one of our lives. That uncommon favor that makes us a beacon of light, Lord. A light that cannot be hidden, Lord. A hope that cannot be shaken, Lord. Father, you have made us to be uncommon in the season they are. So Father, we, we surrender. We surrender the areas in our life that are still working in the common. The things, the perceptions, the mentality the thoughts that plague our minds, our days, Lord, and our decision-making with commonality, Lord. We surrender them. Because, Father, you have called us into an uncommon love. A love that cannot be broken. A love that is exemplified by you in the cross and through your character, Lord. You are that man that was rich and generous. That pulled us in. That was kin to us. That owned the field and gave us a new beginning. Like in the life of Ruth, Lord, we pray. Father, that you will come into every area of our life. That you find us humble and gleaning and picking up, Father, from you. Father, that you will find us, Lord, not going from the crumbs of the world, but going behind those that we find favor in their sight. Expecting to find. Father, some of us need to grow in our resilience. Some of us need to, need to actually understand that we are favored. Some of us actually need to understand how to submit. Father, some of us have to understand how to be expectant because we have never been taught. We have never seen it before in our lives. No family member, no pastor, no, no other people that we admire in our life was expected around us. Father, we don't know. And there's so many of these, Lord, that we need you, Lord. 
But Father, we know we have in you a God that is more than merciful. And we have found grace in your eyes. And that you provide. Today we don't ask for financial provision. Father, we don't even ask for physical provision. Father, we ask for spiritual provision. Jesus, would you provide us? Would you provide our hearts? Would you provide our minds? In Jesus' name. Thanks for joining us today. If you have any questions or would like to share how God is speaking to you through this message, let us know on any of our social media platforms. Make sure to visit our website, hopeandanchor.org, for more information on who we are as a church and to find out how you can be part of the Hope and Anchor family. Thanks again for listening and we'll see you next time.